Hello, folks, and welcome back once again to the best podcast in all of junior hockey. Why do we always say we're the best, you might ask? Is it because we talk about players nonstop and always promote the players, maybe? Is it because we're always talking about these different, uh, different options as a resource for parents? Probably. But maybe one of the biggest things is because we are always diving into new regions of the country, promoting different programs within the realm of junior hockey, and trying to make sure that players have the best options and the best resources available to them as they try to navigate, even in normal seasons, let alone in a season uh, unlike any other. And in order to talk about a season unlike any other, first, I want to introduce a man unlike any other, a broadcaster unlike any other, a man who threatens people by threatening to buy them a suit that matches his. It's Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. Lucas, that's not a threat. That's a promise. And if you're going to lose to me at our Stanley Cup playoff predictions that we do each year, then that's what's going to happen. And this year, folks, Lucas is going to have to dress up like Dan Kay in the flashy suit, the the flashy digs, and head out to a rink somewhere near you to call a hockey game. It's going to be fun, man. We're going to get you sized up, Lucas. I'm going to take you to Mike Taylor. It's going to be some no-nonsense stuff, and we're going to have you looking like Don Cherry in no time. I can't wait. But what I really can't wait for, folks, is our guest this week and the conversation we're going to be having. First, I start with introducing into the show coach of the Provo River Blades, Michael Callen, a guy who has a history of starting up new programs, of gaining success early in inaugural seasons, and he is doing it out here in Provo. And I'll tell you what, the scenery before we jumped on here, Coach, was incredible. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Oh, I, I am living the dream, and I, I'm not like you are out there. Can you, I mean, what, what's the temperature like out there right now? It looks beautiful out there in Provo. Yeah, you know, we're really fortunate. We, we've got that mountain climate, so it gets up to, you know, 90 during the, the days, but, you know, in the evenings, uh, drops down, you know, 60. So, um, you're really fortunate. Uh, you know, I've been here probably 45 days now, um, you know, I, I think there was one day of rain. There was one day that was pretty windy, but the rest, it's all sunshine. So, uh, you know, pretty beautiful here in Utah Valley. You've got the two lakes, Utah Lake and Salt Lake, and then uh, the mountains on both sides. So it's, it's pretty neat to, you know, see uh, the mountains every day, especially the different sunsets and uh, lighting effects, if you will. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that and talk about the hockey out in Provo. We're going to get to that in a second with Coach. But before that, folks, we do what we do each and every week. We pay those bills. And first, we thank the USPHL, the United States Premier Hockey League, the premier hockey experience in the junior hockey game, doing it from cradle to college year after year, the premier hockey experience for your young skater. And Lucas, we talked about your young skater. So we're talking to the parents there with that one. And I know we do our beer and coffee reviews each week. Lucas, your beer review for those hockey parents at home, where should they be going with their next stop? Well, Dan, I always try to find something that's, that's local to the guests we have each week. And unfortunately, Utah breweries don't distribute out on the East Coast, which just means we're going to have to go to Utah, Dan. That's, that, that's what that means. I mean, some of the, I looked up some breweries. They, they look like they have some good offerings. But I found something that the folks in Utah – should be able to find, should be able to get. It's from Left Hand Brewing Company. Uh, they're based in Colorado, so it's, it's definitely regional. You know them from the Left Hand Nitro Milk Stout. Uh, that's a year-round beer. It's such a good beer. It's, it's a lot of people's first nitro outside of Guinness. But it's September, Dan. 
which means it's Oktoberfest. So I grabbed another Oktoberfest beer. Uh, this time, the Oktoberfest Marzen Lager from Left Hand Brewing. Uh, seasonal beer, obviously, the blue and white checkerboard design. It's real good. I, I mean, flat out, this beer is incredible. Left Hand has almost never disappointed me with anything they've done. Um, sometimes the only way they disappoint me is with beers that are so good you can't find them on the shelf. Uh, but this is, this is perfect. It's, it's bready. It's a little caramely, not too sweet little bit of yeast they're not afraid to really go in on that just the ever so slightest bit of cloying but you know what with a cold beer on a little bit of a muggy day like we've got in new jersey this is perfect i'm a, I'm a huge believer in oktoberfest beers that are eminently drinkable uh this one came in at 11.99 for a six pack little steeper than your average domestic little steeper than some craft beers but definitely worth it especially supporting a brewery like left hand love it what's the score I really like this one. Last week, unfortunately, fell just a little bit flat because it was too sweet. I don't like sweet things. I'm a 110-year-old man. I don't like sugar. Uh, so this was nice and bready, more on the lager side. I give this one a 7-4, Dan. I really, really like this beer. I like it. I go to the coffee review. If anybody knows anything about me, I drink coffee nonstop while on the job, while relaxing at home and I have a, a good stiff cup of bold coffee before I go to bed at night. Lucas knows that and still doesn't know how I pull it off. But I, I run on caffeine and I'm running at 195% all day long to bring you the best hockey coverage throughout the country. And I'll tell you what, I drank enough coffee today, Lucas, to sprint my way out to Provo to go visit Coach Callen and the Provo River Blades. I though, I had coffee this morning, had coffee again. Lucas, I, was, I looked in the, the pantry, I didn't have anything new. So I called up my buddies over at the Fine Grind here in Wayne, New Jersey, and they put together a caramel overload latte for me, Lucas. This thing is a non-Lucas special. Stay away if you're Lucas Jones and you're 110 years old and you hate sugar. But the Fine Grind, it's over here in Little Falls, New Jersey, just a 10-minute drive from the Ice Vault Arena, home of the Jersey Hitmen and Toby Harris's squad. And it's a great little spot. You can get yourself an egg sandwich. They do meals all day. They do a great pasta salad as well, Lucas. But the caramel overload, a little sweet for my taste, but the extra shot of espresso brought me back down to earth. I threw some oat milk in there so I could feel really high and mighty. And I, I don't know how they make oat milk. I still don't get it, but it tastes delicious. I give it about a 7-1 there. I think it's a good solid spot. The food there, though, Lucas, it outdoes the coffee. So you know, the fine grind hockey fans should check that out when they're at the Ice Vault Arena taking on those Jersey hitmen. With that in mind, we've got the coffee behind. We've paid the bills. We've done it all. It's time to get into hockey, and it's time for the free skate, the moment in the show where we get to know our guests before getting into the nitty-gritty of that Q&A. And, Coach, we bring you in here, and obviously going to be your first year behind the bench with the Provo Riverblades. I want to start with kind of you launched the Chatham University squad out there. Can you talk about the experience you had in Chatham and how you're using that success to drive into your new success here and your new digs in Provo? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we're, we're really fortunate here um, in Provo. I, I mean, we're, we're at a former Olympic venue. Um, it was used during the 2002 games, you know, both as a game and practice facility. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're very fortunate, uh, just the, the scenery and the geography and, um, you know, some unique things, you know, outside of, of hockey. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, jet skiing on Utah Lake or paddleboarding or um, going hiking. The, the, we did a team hike on Saturday morning. 
um, you know, all the way to the winter sports, you know, snowboarding and skiing. So, and, and we're named the River Blades. Uh, the Provo River is a, a prestigious river um, known for uh, fly fishing. So we want to incorporate that into our team name. So, um, you know, we, we've been really fortunate to bring in some quality players. And, you know, I think the biggest part of the experience, um, you know, is making sure our team is building relationships amongst each other. And uh, we, we've been fortunate. We've got a really nice group of young men here that are, you know, quickly bonding and, you know, finding, you know, different ways to, you know, coagulate our group together, if you will. And, uh, you know, we, we've done the hike. We've, we've had a couple of soccer matches here outside and, um, you know, certainly a lot of nice hills here in Utah. We, we took advantage of this morning, you know, getting in a hill run. So, um, you know, really just building communication and trust and togetherness is, is so crucial when you're putting these things together. And, um, you know, like you said, we, we've been fortunate with our resources here in terms of the facility, um, you know, and, and uh, the dynamic of the arena that uh, we're, we're moving forward fast. And now, Coach, there's a reason why the USOC puts a training facility there in Provo, and a lot of it has to do with that high altitude, right? It, it really is a great place to train an athlete to kind of take their, their athleticism, their, their ability to the next level with, with playing in a high altitude, playing on a rink, playing in an Olympic-sized rink. We talked to, talked to Kevin McCloskey about it out there as well, about the, the perks and the, what comes with being in a, an Olympic facility. Can you kind of talk about that? What are these players going through right now, kind of getting the terms with the, uh, with the high altitude there? Yes. So, uh, you know, we're about 4,500 feet, I believe. Um, certainly the, the hikes in the mountains, you get higher quickly. Um, so I, I think it's been a big adjustment, you know, just, you know, uh, first week, even for me, you know, I got a young puppy and just, you know, wrestling in the yard, um, you know, running out of breath. And then, you know, the first skate, you know, we kind of just let the guys have at it and, you know, kind of have a fun experience in, uh, you know, managing their own practice the first day. So, you know, you, you walk down and, you know, hey, how are you guys dealing with the altitude? And, you know, the, the first 20 minutes in, um, you know, with the oxygen depletion at the altitude, I, I think we were starting to struggle, um, you know, but I think you're seeing some pretty quick growth here um, over the past week, um, you know, getting into shape, getting adjusted to the oxygen levels here in the air. And um, we had a good practice today and, um, you know, really excited to have, you know, number six in, in the barrel already. And, uh, you know, we just keep improving and, um, you know, certainly with the Olympic ice surface, um, a big emphasis on speed and, uh, you know, training for speed as well off ice. So um, it, it, the altitude has definitely been an adjustment and hopefully uh, it should pay some dividends when we get to, you know, back to sea level. I'll tell you what, you guys are going to be the most in shape team in the country. And for folks at home, if you've never been out in some of this mountain region and you might be an East coast Homer or, or someone in the Midwest, and you've not been out, to the mountain region. I mean, I was at the stadium series game in Colorado this past year at the air force Academy. And I was running around those stands working the day away. And I'll tell you what, about 30 minutes in, I was ready to take a nap. I was done. I, I don't know how anybody could get on the ice outdoors in that environment and play 60 hard minutes. So these guys, these guys coach are going to be at a different level of athleticism. I mean, how do you think that translates when you come out East and you get a chance to play some of the, the big name organizations out here in the premier as well? Yeah, I think it should pay off great. I mean, certainly you hear a lot, you know, I, I think uh, Team Mexico trains at altitude for uh, football and, 
um, you know, I, you see it, you know, kind of different uh, ranks as well, you know, with the avalanche there in terms of hockey. So, and, and the, you know, Colorado College, as you mentioned, Air Force and, and Denver. So I think it's going to be a really big advantage, you know, when we, you know, play at regular altitude at sea level and um, just the lung capacity and um, the ability, you know, for, for the blood to transfer, you know, nutrients through, through the legs and all that. So I think we're pretty excited about that. And, you know, we'll probably the other adjustment too, and I, I think it keeps our ice really good here, is just um, a lack of humidity. Um, so I think our, our ice is hard and fast as well, and that kind of goes back to everything we're talking about. Now, you, you mentioned some of the colleges out there. You know, a lot of times folks get, they get locked in on, on the Midwest, on the Northeast, and, and they forget about the, the incredible hockey being played out in that mountain region by some of the schools you mentioned, Air Force Academy. You talked about Denver. You talked about Colorado College. I mean, can you talk a little bit about the, the collegiate hockey culture out there and just some of the opportunities a player coming from the East or coming from the West Coast or coming from the Midwest can get by hopping on the ice in Provo? Some of the eyes that might see them that might not get them somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think, look, you know, we, we've got a very – competitive division you know we, we got a number of programs that you know have, have placed anywhere from eight to 15 guys every year you know to NCAA or Canadian college or European pro leagues I think it's extremely uh competitive division uh, I, I think in terms of the facilities you know we all have you know very good facilities here and um you know communities that support our teams you know we're, we're expecting uh to draw quite well uh this season with some some safety measures in place and um, you know, I think in terms of, you know, as a player, you know, the extra emotions and juice that comes from the fans cheering you on after, you know, a big goal or a big hit or, you know, the, the, the windmill save, um, you know, it all feeds back to experience. And, um, you know, in terms of exposure, I, I think it just comes down to, you know, connectivity. And I've been fortunate to have some real quality experiences, you know, at the NCAA level and, um, you know, at the junior level, you know, 10 years ago at the EJHL and, um, you know, I, I think really, you know, for players coming out here, it, it's, it can be a life-changing experience. I mean, I mean uh, you know, live in, you know, the Rocky Mountains to, you know, live somewhere else for a change and, you know, kind of different geography, you know, really friendly people here. And, you know, some of the other things, um, you know, that you can get into off ice in our community is, you know, really cool. You know, like uh, there's a music venue where Imagine Dragons started here in Provo. Uh, there's uh, a comedy club, you know, dry bar um, that's uh, uh, pretty famous as well. And um, certainly from an academic perspective, if guys are interested in classes now while they play junior hockey, you've got BYU and uh, Utah Valley University here, you know, right next door and really fortunate there as well. It's a, it's a great community. I mean, we, we talked to, we talked to Kevin about it as well. Kevin McCloskey there at the Utah Outliers. And I mean, everything going on out there that you guys are doing. I mean, this mountain region is going to be competitive. And I got to tell you, before we get into the Q and a, we really get down to the hockey business. You got to watch out coach when you head to Pueblo, because I'm hearing they got a live bull and they're bringing a live bull out to the ice named Pueblo. And, and I, when I heard that, I, I was a little bit worried. I was a little worried. Are you worried about the live bull when you head down there to Colorado? Uh, we might have to work on some more edge work so we, we can dodge them, I guess. I was I was worried about that. I heard about him. I said they were talking about us coming out. I'm like I'm happy to come out. Just give me enough enough of a wide berth from the bull there. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I don't think I'm getting away, especially not on ice. Right, so, uh, right. <laughs> I am going to stay safe. But with that, we're going to move to the Q and A with Coach Callen here. 
And Lucas Jones, the, the brains behind the operation, let's put it, let's put it smart here. I mean, I, Lucas, I forgot about a word to even use intelligently, whatever we <laughs> want to call it. But let's go to Lucas Jones. He's going to start off the Q&A with Coach Callen. Lucas, take it away. Thanks, Dan. And, and I wanted to kind of start off the, the Q&A with something that's a little obvious here. You know, uh, this is Pro Bowl's inaugural season. And we've talked to, I feel like as the USPHL has grown and new teams have, have entered the fold, we've always chatted with these coaches and they've always sort of had a similar answer, which is, you know, something along the lines of, well, we're, we're looking to see kind of how we fit and we're excited. And then you talk to coaches a little bit later down the line and they say, this game was a lot faster than we thought. This game was maybe more skilled than we were ready for and we had to adapt. Coach Callen, you've launched a, a team previously and you have experience with this quote-unquote inaugural season. So talk through some of the challenges, some of the opportunities when it comes to being in a position like the one you and the Provo Riverblades are in. Yeah, certainly. You know, we're here to compete. We're, we're here to develop players uh, you know, and, and get better every day and we want to vie for a championship as soon as this season. And I think the the most important criteria is, you know, getting your guys together as a group and forming an identity and, you know, building a, a culture. And, you know, a big part of that's just, you know, communication and, you know, keeping those doorways open. And, um, you know, I, I think we, we've got a lot of excitement here. We, we've been able to procure um, some guys, you know, out of the junior ranks, you know, a couple guys, American boys come down from, you know, the Canadian leagues and, um, you know, a couple of U.S. players, you know, hungry to get after at the junior level from, you know, Minnesota high school to prep school to AAA. And, um, you know, I think we're really pleased uh, with, with what we've put together. Uh, and now you're, you're just taking the time to, you know, mold it and, uh, you know, kind of form everybody together as a cohesive unit. Yeah, and and in, the, in the free skate, you had also mentioned, you know, that you sort of let the players kind of, run that first practice and you talk about something like team identity. And I think for a lot of people, it might be a little bit, you know, confusing because Dan and I are always talking about, well, the team identity, what does the team look like? What's their, what's their thing that they're known for? Is a team identity something that come like bubbles up from the players or is it something that, that trickles down from coaching or ownership or, or is it kind of a little bit of both who takes the lead? I guess is the question I'm asking. Yeah, I think it starts at the top and, you know, how you convey your message that, you know, hey, we're, we're going to play fast. We're going to play with skill and creativity and, and, and pace. But, you know, we're still able to play physical. Um, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, how often you follow up on, you know, what your process is and, and what the details of your program is. And, you know, when you have that consistency, it's uh, reverberated um, in turn by your players and, you know, they buy in and, you know, creating excitement. Um, you know, about all those details that lead to success. So I think we're, we're really fortunate there. And, and, you know, obviously the recruiting these days is, is more difficult than ever, but, you know, w without getting into to that question, which I think I wanted to talk about a little bit later, you've obviously done some, uh, done the recruiting for this team, you and your coaching staff, you've put the guys together. You've had some days and weeks now seeing, the boys playing out there on the ice as this team does come together for the first time. What can we expect from this Provo team? Is there an identity? Is there, you know, something as specific as, Oh, we're a physical team. Oh, we're a fast team. Or is there something a little more complex that seems to be emerging? 
I, I think, you know, we, we want to play fast. We want to play with skill. We want to be tenacious. You know, I, I think we want to play aggressively and then make sure that we're gaining uh, possession back. I think the opportunity here, you know, with the Olympic ice to, you know, have more possession opportunities is, is there. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, we're, we're focusing in as well off ice, you know, in terms of, you know, building a fast team. You know, we, we've done sprints every day. We've worked on um, some sport tactics. Um, you know, we, we, like we said, in terms of team building, you know, we, we had a couple of soccer matches. You know, there's, there's creating two-on-ones there. There's foot skills. Um, you know, we, we had a session, a uh, 45-minute hand-eye session, um, you know, Friday. And, you know, then following that up on the ice, you know, with, with tipping pucks and drills. Um, so getting that aggressiveness to get to the dirty areas and, you know, score those goals that are important at playoff time. Um, you know, it's all part of the process and, um, you know, doing a good job facilitating that. And I think one thing that's come up a, a couple of times now is the Olympic rink. Um, talk through some of the differences, if there are any, for the folks at home who, who may not know, because the, the difference between sort of your, your run-of-the-mill junior hockey NHL rink is going to be different from an Olympic-sized rink, right? So, so what for the folks at home who may not know, what are some of the differences between that Olympic rink and a regular junior hockey rink they might be used to? And how does that change the game and the way you prepare? Yeah, I think in terms of your entries, you know, getting closer on, on support. Um, so I think, you know, probably you're modifying, you know, some of your uh, net drive, your middle lane drive, you know, to a dot lane drive. I, I think in terms of uh, gaps in the neutral zone, you know, the, the defensemen have to gain the vertical gaps so they can, you know, much easier uh, adjust their la uh, lateral gap. Um, so I, I think that's probably the, the biggest adjustment. Obviously, also, um, you know, just gaining possession through middle ice, you know, is a little bit easier um, with the opportunity for space in terms of the width of the rink. Yeah, and Coach, I mean, what I love about that Olympic rink is when the offense gets going, when the passing gets crisp, you can really control the game. You can really take control of it. I mean, what do you see as, as – I mean, when, when somebody comes into town and, and they have to play the Provo Riverblades, I mean, how tough is it? I mean, put yourself in the shoes of the other coach coming into that rink. How tough is it to prepare your boys for that Olympic-sized rink if you're not playing in it every day? It's, it's a good-sized adjustment. I, I know at Sui Potsdam, you know, we went down and we played Skidmore, and, you know, they, they got the Olympic sheet down there in Saratoga Springs. And, um, you know, some of your – you know, puck pursuit, you know, in terms of, you know, penalty kill needs to be adjusted. Um, you know, I, I think the spacing, you know, on the, on the power play, you know, just getting over when you, you, you know, quick to puck to, you know, have second support options is, is critical. Um, and, and then just kind of, I mentioned, you know, the, the gapping in, in the middle ice possession. So, I think it's challenging. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested myself to, you know, see, you know, what patterns are created and, you know, certainly taking the time to, you know, pull up some, you know, uh, the Sochi games or, um, you know, the Vancouver games and, you know, kind of looking at some patterns you might see, you know, from those events in terms of the space. Now, coach, you've had, you've had a great career behind the bench. And one of the places that stands out to me when I look at your Rolodex, man, it's, it's, that EJ time back in the old EJ days with the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs, a team that is synonymous with great coaching, whether it's the Tromblays or the Frews or the D'Alessios or anybody from that Monarchs lineage. Can you talk a little bit about 
your time back with the Monarchs organization and, and how you really knew the USPHL was going to be a great fit for you as a coach now in your next step in your career out there in Provo. I know you've seen the product and you've seen just how good it can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I went there right after Clarkson and, you know, the, 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 I was older by year, you know, than, than most of the players. Um, you know, it was a fun experience. And I think, you know, 17 and 20 year old kids, you know, they're all hungry to get after it. You know, they're still pursuing dreams of, you know, what the dream school might be. Um, you know, certainly there, you know, great leadership from, you know, like Pat Doherty or Trent Raffolo or Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, help bring in like the Zach Sanfords as well. And um, I, I think Sean Trombley is a heck of a coach. And, you know, I think he's, he's one of the best coaches at the junior level. And, um, you know, what I picked up from him in terms of, you know, holding guys accountable in terms of, um, you know, tactical skills that can be developed, you know, through different, you know, game conditions and practice to, you know, just skill development. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, we, we did a great job there and I learned a lot from, from Sean. And, um, you know, I, I think you, you got a lot of things here that we can replicate here. And, um, you know, it's just a fun age group, you know, to be working with and, and, you know, they're, they're still hungry and, have that desire to improve every aspect of their game. And you, you talk about some of the names, the Van Riemsdyks, the Sanfords, those names that you, you've worked with at such a young coaching age, right? Right out of the gates, you know, out of the nest there, out of playing, off the ice, out of the skates, right into it. I mean, what for the players at home that watch us, that want to know how to get to the level of a Sanford, they want to get to that Van Riemsdyk level. They want to be that professional player or that top D1 player, that top D3 player, wherever their next step is, they want to be the guy. How did they become the guy? Like what, what set a Zach Sanford apart? What set a Van Riemsdyk apart? What was different about them than some of the other guys you coach? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's just a character and openness to learning and a desire to improve. And I, I think you see that. You know, we, we brought in Tom Parisi, who did great and was a, a captain at Providence when they won it all. And I think, uh, you know, five other guys who won Division One titles and, um, you know, Brian Billett and Connor McPhee and uh, guys like that and, um, and Trent Raffolo as well um, at Yale. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they want feedback, you know, and it could be a small detail. It could be uh, a large detail, um, you know, and, and they want that feedback. And I see that, you know, when I worked the USA hockey camps in the summer, you know, the, the top players, you know, they want information and, and the biggest adjustment they have is the ability to uh, blend that information into their skill set or, or toolbox, if you will, and then, you know, improve, um, you know, and I, I think that's so critical. Um, and then just following up with, with work ethic. And I think it's, it's, it's varying timelines for everybody. Um, you know, I, I, I think to, to be honest, one of those guys we mentioned was going to go to division three school a year early and decided to come back for one more year of juniors and, you know, had the opportunity to play division one and, you know, then the, the pro career happened. So, um, you know, it's just all about, you know, how, how much you want to put in and, you know, what, what you're going to get out of it. And listen to that players. I'll tell you the players that watch us at home, the parents that watch us at home, the, the biggest thing I hear from coaches like coach Callen and, and coaches around the country is it's the idea of being willing to take that constructive criticism and wanting to learn, right? It's, it's, you have to want the information for the information to really be put in motion and used out there on the ice in your day-to-day -day game. And 
you got to come to it every day ready to learn something new, ready to play better. And I'll tell you, Coach, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be very lucky to be playing with you behind the bench. And I, I want to ask you now, I mean, what's success for this Provo team this year? Is it, is it moving guys up to the next level? Is it individual development? Is it winning games? Is it raising a cup? What's success this year for the Provo Riverblades? Yeah, I think, you, one, we want to develop players. When you, when you develop players properly, you know, they, they improve their skill sets, they improve their hockey intelligence, they improve their athleticism, and you're going to win a lot of games as a result. And, you know, it, it goes hand in hand as well. You know, when you're developing players, you know, you're improving guys and they got the upward trajectory going and then colleges are going to want them. And so, you know, our primary goal is to, develop um, but at the same time that that doesn't say you're not winning games along the way I, I don't think there's there's not a trade-off you're developing guys are getting better you bring the best guys on the ice you're going to win a lot of games so our expectation here you know is to improve our players vie for championships and move guys on to the the next level and you know I, I say every recruit you know I, I want you to call me a year from now hey I appreciate you know you, you being hard on me about stick on puck or I appreciate you know your you know the, the gym, you know, of training, you know, Hey, I'm at the college level now played a tough game last night, Friday. And, uh, you know, today's, you know, today, and I, I feel great, you know, and coaches keep me in the lineup because of my performance. So, um, we really want to create that relationship, you know, moving forward where, you know, they, they get to the next level and, you know, they have the ability to, you know, hit, hit the lineup, you know, first game and, you know, stay in it and, and be ready to go. Yeah, d development is so crucial to, to everything the USPHL does. And when we talk about cradle to college, what we're really talking about is developing a player, giving them the skills, not just as a hockey player, but as a, as a young adult moving forward. And, and that's something that we see a lot, of, a lot of teams doing. But I want to talk about the competitive side of this with, with you, Coach, because in that division, you guys are staring down a little bit of a barrel here. And, and actually, you're kind of staring down four different barrels uh, because you've got four other teams, the Outliers, the Bulls, uh, the Mustangs, as well as the Colorado Eagles, veteran teams, organizations with winning traditions coming out of uh, some of the Western States leagues. How do you feel stacking up as the new guy in a division with teams? For example, the Colorado Eagles last season, 34, 13, and 4. Um, seven straight postseasons, uh, Ogden Mustangs, 10th season of junior hockey. How does it feel going up against these established teams in the USPHL? Yeah, I think it's a great challenge. I, mean, I, I think that's why, um, you know, we were in discussions, you know, with, with recruits and players that come here that, you know, hey, like this is a awesome division i mean you mentioned all those teams you know legit like eight to 15 guys are moving on to higher levels the following year and you know in terms of you know having to bring your marbles every night um it is so huge you know and and to have you know multiple challenging games in a row and no real off night um it, it just goes back to you know it's it's what players crave in terms of competition and being prepared every night but it also is going to have them ready to go when they face you know, those, those tighter college games as well, when you have less games, but every game's so important. So um, I, I think we're really fortunate. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have our guys prepared and ready to compete. And uh, we're all very excited to be facing those teams on a regular basis.
And the last question I have for you, Coach, is, is kind of expanding on that competition just a bit. You know, you, you, not just the competition in that mountain division, but adding in the new Pacific teams as well as all the established teams in the Midwest and on the East Coast, the Florida, the Southeast. This premier division, we said it last year, and with the addition of even more teams this year, I think it's even more true, might be the toughest league to play in in, in all of junior hockey because of all these different things. Is there a division that you've looked at? Is there uh, an event that you've looked at coming down the pipe? where you are really excited to say, oh man, we want to try out these Southeast teams that we've heard so much about, or we can't wait to play the Islanders Hockey Club and the Jersey Hitmen, two teams with an established USPHL lineage. Is there a team or division that you're really excited to get on the ice against? I think there's, there's good teams in every division and, you know, I'm not quite sure. I've sat down really to look at the, the showcase opportunities here, but, uh, you know, I think we're really excited. And, you know, our players are excited, excited in terms of the showcase opportunities to play some of those different clubs from different areas. And, um, you know, it, it's a good event every time. And certainly, hopefully, we're, you know, there in Marlboro in, in mid-March for the big playoff uh, runoff. Coach, I give you the heads up now. This is going to be our final question of the Q&A. Lucas will do his academic corner, but while he does that, make sure you think about your parting words each week. We allow our guests the final word here, their parting words for the show. But before that, I ask you a question I ask every single guest on the Dan K Show Presents Junior Hockey. And in this case, it's why the junior, why the Provo Riverblades? Why, why as a player, as a parent watching the Dan K Show, listening in right now, listening to the great conversation we're having today, <clears throat> Why the Provo Riverlades? Why are they my next best step in my hockey career? Yeah, I think it, one, one, the community. You got very welcoming, friendly people here. Uh, everybody's willing to help. Um, two, the, the venue. Um, you know, it is an Olympic uh, venue. It was used during 2002. Salt Lake is, you know, bidding up for uh, future games to have the games come back here to, to Salt Lake City. So, um, you know, and it still remains one of the training locations for U.S. Olympians. So that's very exciting. Um, you know, our, our gym is just lights out. I, I mean, it's it's got everything you could ever imagine in a gym. Like there's not one piece missing that you say, hey, you know, uh, where, where's the sandbagger? Where's the sled? No, it's, it's right there. So we can train like pros. Um, you know, we, we've got an indoor turf field at the rink. That's a full length soccer field. The opportunity to speed agility quickness. We've got access you know, the Provo Recreation Center. So you got, you know, basketball courts, racquetball courts, um, you know, swimming, um, all opportunities for our guys to continue to develop, um, you know, community-wise with the geography, you know, fly fishing, hiking, mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, um, you know, and you got some of those side interests that, you know, keep your pursuits up as well as some of the academic options, you know, with BYU and UVU. Um, you know, and I, I think the competitiveness, uh, you know, the, the programs we face uh, do a great job, you know, moving on players and the opportunity to compete on a regular basis. And then I, I think, you know, kind of what I can bring to the table in terms of, you know, hey, I, I've, I've coached NCAA hockey. I've, I've been on a lot of campuses. I you know, have relationships with a lot of staff members, you know, so when it comes to moving players on, you know, really easy for me to pick up the phone call and say, hey, so-and-so, listen, you're going to love this guy. I'll tell you all about him, you know, and, and here's his, you know, strengths. And here's where, you know, I, I think he can help your program and you can help him, you know, continue to develop moving forward. So 
I, I think it's a tremendous package out here. And, you know, I know our young men have, have loved uh, their past two weeks here already, and we're excited to you know, continue to compete for championships moving forward. Lucas, I, I started packing my bags during that description of everything going on out there. I'm in. Uh, I'm going to coach. I'm going to try to go back in time and get my eligibility back and, and hop on a plane out to Provo because it sounds awesome out there. Folks, you got to check out those Provo Riverblades. You can check them out at usphl.com. This is going to be a great USPHL Mountain Division. We're going to head to the academic corner, and then we're going to come back for coaches' parting words to close this thing out. But before the academic corner, we remind you that the Nate K Show partners with the Elite Junior Profiles. That's EliteJRProfiles.com, the one-stop shop for your hockey player or athlete of any sport looking to get to the next level of the game. You can make yourself a profile there. You can be seen by coaches, players, everyone across the country with an account, EliteJRProfiles.com. Take your recruiting experience to the next level. And Lucas, we remind the fans and the coaches and the parents and everybody, junior hockey is not just a game played on the ice. It's off the ice as well, and it's played in the classroom. It's about creating both players on and off the ice. The next level of their career, Lucas, is going to be most likely at the collegiate level. So it takes academics to get there. Why don't you take them to the academic corner this week? Well, Dan, this week's academic corner starts off with, with a bit of a statement. And that statement is we're back, right? We're, we're back to school. And, you know, I have some students who are virtual only, some students who are in hybrid classes and some school districts are back to their normal four or five day a week program in person. And, you know, it's, it's a varied landscape out there. And I think this advice sort of goes and fits to whatever situation you might be in. Um, and that advice is to take some time for yourself. Uh, there are a lot of initiatives throughout the game of hockey, uh, the Bell Let's Talk initiative uh, with an increased focus, especially with some of the articles that have come out in The Athletic in recent years discussing the mental health of players and, you know, and, and how sometimes the game of hockey can be stressful. But I, I think it, the important thing right now is I have so many students who are panicking. I have juniors who are panicking about whether they'll be able to take their SATs. I've got seniors panicking who don't even know if they should be going to school this year or waiting a year to let everything shake out. So I think the biggest thing is to become self-regulating. And what that means is to try to get as in touch with the way that you're feeling on a daily basis as you possibly can. Take advantage of the virtual schedule by taking a walk in between classes. Shut off the screens for a little bit, lay down, take a quick 15 minute nap, listen to some music, find a book, you have to be able to deprogram, to de-stress your brain, especially with everything else going on, whether you are going into to school or not, whether you might have a job that you're going into or not. The stress is everywhere. It lurks around every corner. And you have to learn how to regulate that yourself now. You can't be expected to learn and retain information when your brain is already working overload in other areas. So take a breather, take a break. It is okay to just sit and do nothing for a few minutes each day. Lucas, I sit and do nothing like all the time. That's literally my goal <laughs> in life is, is to, to never do anything. But no, just kidding, folks. We're busy. We're busy all the time. We're getting ready for hockey season. I'm going to skip Lucas's parting words and go right on to Coach Callen here. Coach, your final words, your parting words for the viewers of the Dan K Show presents Junior Hockey. Let's hear them. Hey, I, I really appreciate your time, Lucas, and I appreciate your time, Dan, and Really excited to be, uh, you know, back in, in this uh, 
USPHL, and I think uh, we're going to be pretty pleased with the outcome of the Mountain Division here in the Provo Riverblades, and uh, I look forward to seeing you here soon in the ranks. Can't wait, Coach. I can't wait, folks. This Provo Riverblades team not only does it look great, man, the, the logoing, the, the jerseys, the look on the ice, it's going to be sleek, it's going to be new, it's going to be fresh and a beautiful rink. you got to check out those Provo Riverblades. My parting word, I always try to use a word that goes along with our guests. I'm going scenery today. I'm going scenery, and, and I want to remind folks, you know, you look at the scenery around Provo. Look it up online, folks. If you haven't seen it yet, it's beautiful out there. Beautiful mountain climate, as Coach was talking about, a beautiful place to live, a beautiful place to take the next step in your hockey career. But scenery, the reason why I use it this week is stop and enjoy the scenery throughout your, your season this year. And I ask everyone to do that in life. I, I know I'm someone who – I'm working all over the place. I'm traveling all around all year long. Once hockey season starts up, I don't stop. I'm seven days a week for 300 days straight. And, you know, so many times we forget to stop and enjoy what's around us and really see where we're going on a trip. How many times have we driven somewhere 500 times in our life in the driver's seat? And the first time we hop in the passenger seat, we see so many things we've never seen before. Get in that passenger seat every once in a while during the season and take in that scenery, especially you young skaters out there. We saw a season last year that ended before we all saw it coming. It came out of nowhere. We don't know, you know, in life when that's going to happen. So we want to always take in that scenery, enjoy the travel, enjoy the ride. When you get on that bus out there in the mountain division, man, take it all in, enjoy the scenery on the way out, and let's play some gosh darn hockey. Let's drop that puck. Hockey's back, baby. I can't wait. The Provo Riverblades coach, Michael Callum, we thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. As always, Lucas, thank you for being the reason why I'm not just a man shouting into a megaphone about hockey on a street corner somewhere, and I'm actually being heard by the masses around the world. This has been the most watched show in junior hockey with over 25 million social media impressions in the last two years. When Dan Kay's on the mic, it's always hockey night. Remember, if you want to be on the Dan Kay Show or talk to us, you can reach out at www.dankayshow.com. Or find us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the underscore NK Show. Thanks for watching.